What's going on, military cash flow family? Today we got a today's a good day, man. Just it, you know, it's it's decently a little bit overcast outside. We're gonna do some great stuff with the family, and uh, really looking forward to today. And we had a good conversation as well. Uh, what's up with you, Mike? Um, I'm I'm relaxing, man. Today's guest is actually here in town. He's actually a good friend of mine. Um, so uh, we recorded this morning. Later on, we're gonna kind of kick it, and the weather is actually nice here today as well in charlotte north carolina it's got some sun it's not raining anymore so we're gonna try to get out as well uh things are going well man things are going well you know the uh what's up with the mortgage loan officer give us some give us some uh, little updates on that remind the people remind the yeah people. man so uh for those who don't know the five pillars team is still operating and we've expanded nationwide so we're bringing on agents all across the nation and with that what we found was that gap in financing so I partnered up with MC Mortgage Group as a mortgage loan originator. So I primarily work with the LLC financing, but I could absolutely do, uh, you know, the VAs, the FHAs and so forth and so on in North and South Carolina area. Or at least I can connect you to another uh, uh, loan officer in another state. Right. But uh, it's been going well, man. We're cranking out some deals. Um, first first month out the shoot, you know, I got about seven or eight loans uh, in the pipeline right now. My goal is to get to 15 first month in. That's my goal. We're going to go for it. We'll see. But yeah, man, it's been going. It's been going well. Been enjoying it. So you heard it here, man. If you are in need of a loan, if you are in need of some money financing, right, for your first real estate transaction, especially if it's in like an like a true investment, right, definitely hit us up. Uh, link up with Mike and he'll get you straight. And then also, if you're looking for just a regular, could be VA, could be FHA, whatever loan in the Carolinas, make sure you hit up Mike. Um, I, I can easily do a video for it. I'm literally going through the process right now. Got well over a point off of my interest rate and um, it's going to be saving me a couple hundred bucks a month just by linking up with Mike and, uh, and using his services. So I, I recommend that you do the same thing. Um, if you if you uh, got some equity in your home, you're looking to refi, maybe cash out refi or something like that, got the I got the appraisal coming up, I think in a couple of weeks, maybe, um, or maybe, maybe a week or so. So I'm pretty excited about the process. I'm actually refinancing both of my quads. Um, and collectively, um, I should save, I should, should be saving myself about, uh, about 300, $350 a month or so, um, between the both of them. So, I mean, that's instant cash flow, dude, just by, just by doing a quick refi and, and, um, it's just, it's just awesome. That's one of the, one of the powers of real estate. You know, you can, you can manipulate it how you want to, I could take out some cash if I needed to, or just leave it alone, you know? So it's, it's a pretty, pretty good stuff. But um, today's guest, Alexander Felix, Felice, sorry, uh, Alex Felice. He's a, he's a, um, he's been around, man. He's, he's got a great, uh, a great real estate story. He was in the, the military, got out after his first enlistment, uh, enlistment. And then, you know, he's, he's been just, uh, kind of found his way around life and kind of did some things for a few years and then kind of got in the finance world and then jumped into real estate. And now he's just crushing it in the real estate world, taking very, very uh, deliberate action. I don't want to say slow, um, but definitely taking very, very deliberate action um, in, in what he's doing. So we talked a lot about um, just, uh, I guess, like the mental aspect of, of, real estate and then uh, also networking, right? How you, um, as a, if you're trying to get in certain circles, right? What are some of the actions that you can take to to operate in those circles um, if you like to, Mike? Yeah, he's, a, he's an amazing guy. M many people don't understand the importance of uh, 
networking at that level, right? And so this is something that he's been good with his entire life. And he's going to talk about his journey from that military aspect and kind of, you know, how, how it helped him move on in the world. But this is a superpower that he had, the networking aspect, that he truly didn't discover until he was well into his adult, uh, adulthood, right? And he talks about, many people don't know this, when, when Fayetteville, North Carolina blew up as a real estate investment hub, a lot of it had to do with his original podcast on Bigger Pockets, right? Because as soon as that name dropped, we were operating as agents in that area and as investors, boom, market flooded. Everybody was there, right? So just something as simple as that was able to provide value so much to people like us and other investors and things of that nature, that's foot in the door, right? So think about doing that on another level, on a scale of that ability. That is what you guys should be striving for as you're trying to get into these groups. So, I mean, there's so much value here, guys, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it justice here in the intro. So without further ado, let's get to it. Hey, how's it going? This is Dan Wynn and Mike Glaspie, and this is the Military Cashflow Podcast, where we teach service members how to build wealth and create passive cash flow through real estate. We cover real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned from other successful investors. Now, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast, we need you to like, share, and subscribe. Now, let's get started creating this military cash flow. What's going on, military cash flow family? Today, we got Alex Felice on today, and uh, we're going to dig into his story, man. It's, uh, we, we've been running in similar circles, and we kind of talked a little bit offline, and um, it's good to formally meet you, man. Uh, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you are, and what you're doing? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I am a single and multifamily real estate investor in North Carolina, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Uh, buying, I've been started buying single family homes in call it 2016 around there. Figured it out, buying a couple, figured out that I could do it. Started buying, uh, I bought a small apartment. I after after a couple of years of that and doing well, I bought a small apartment in 2019, and then bought a fairly good sized apartment here in 2020, and then around 2020 I started flipping houses too. So. Yeah, real estate life, bro. It's been it's been very good to me, um, and we're we're growing from there. So very excited to be here. Thankful for the opportunity. Dude, that's awesome, Absolutely. man. So seems like you dipped and dabbled in a, a little bit of everything there, right? Like full, like real estate is your full is what you're doing full time right now, right? I do it full time right now. Yeah. Excellent, excellent, yeah. dude. So let's I talk should about be doing, get- I should be doing a lot better at it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty much what uh, seems like a common. Uh, I guess a common denominator in everybody's story. They're like, ah, yeah, if I, you know, if I could start over again, or if I knew what I knew now, and I'd start, you know, I, I'd be a lot larger or something like that. You know what I mean? I'd be a, in, a, in a much better place. Yeah, it's always the hindsight's twenty twenty. It's very easy to look back and be like, this is what I should have done when I knew how the world would unfold. Yeah, yeah, man, definitely. So let's get into the beginning, man. What, what did, uh, what is your your journey with real estate or your journey with money? Actually, first. Let's talk about like military background, right? Because I know you did serve in the military for a short period of time. And then let's talk about that transition out, out of the military um, into real estate. How did that work? Bad. It worked badly. Uh, I got out of the army. Dude, I did okay in the army. You know, never, I didn't get in trouble, but I also, you know, I got out after four years as an E4. I didn't, you know, I wasn't Excel, but also, you know, Mike knows me pretty well. Like I'm just not big on organized rule following in general. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to go find my own way. It wasn't, so I got out uh, an average soldier. I didn't really um, have much skills when I got out. So I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know? And so I ended up in sales, car sales, just kind of 
ended up there. It wasn't really a choice. I needed, I got bills, right? And so I floundered with that. I did okay in it, but you know, it's a job. So I did, I did that for quite a while and then kind of just bounced around jobs, went out to Arizona and got a associate's degree in business. And I learned how to build some houses with my uncle. So that was kind of my background with houses. I was like, oh, I know how these things get put together now. And then came back to North Carolina, was selling cars again. And then around 2010. So yeah, I, I screwed around for about five or six years, just making, just tinkering with the world. And then so around 2010, I, I got serious. I went and got a degree in finance and I started working in banking. And that's when I, I started to put some money together. And I was like, okay, I need to learn how to invest. I gotta, I don't want to work. I don't want to work jobs, W2 jobs forever. I want to do something else. I don't know what that is, but I don't have any, I don't have the time freedom or the money freedom to go find out what I like about the world. I'm always doing something that I have to do right now to pay the next bill. And so I was like, yo, I'm over that life. I'm over that life. So I should learn how to invest. Well, 2014 turns out real estate, uh, there's foreclosures flooding the market, right? It's not that life. It's not like that anymore, but you could go to the MLS and find deals for 25 grand all day long. I just didn't have, I didn't have enough money and to really capitalize on the opportunity back then, but I got one. And then a year later, I was like, this, this makes money. We bought one for like 50 grand. Um, damn near tripled our money in two years. And then um, bought another one and bought two, three more. And then bought two, three more. And then, so that's really what, that's really what happened. I, I screwed around and then I, I, I stumbled into real estate at like the best possible time. And now, yes. and now real estate, now real estate's a little tough. So I'm kind of, <laughs> it's a great opportunity. <laughs> so I, I, I don't think I've ever asked you this, man. Um, you mentioned how you were in the military just for a slight period of time. And then you rolled out and you did your thing. And you said you were just average, but was there anything about the military that you actually took and you still have with you? Is there anything that you were taught characteristic yeah. trait or anything like that? Yeah, of, of absolutely. The, the army was actually very good for me. If you had met me before the army, you'd notice like, oh yeah, that thing changed him. Because I look here, here's the thing. The army gave me um, confidence in myself. It taught me how to self-preserve, how to um, rely, like how to be self-sufficient. Um, it taught me how to approach things that are scary with, with uh, both a little bit of respect, right? Hey, that thing can blow up, be careful, but also um, it's going to blow up in a controlled manner. And so you just need to, to behave the right way. So I, I, those, those all soft skills or those life lessons really carry forward. People are afraid of everything. It seems like, and you know, that's a fear is not a good emotion to drive decisions. So the army taught me how to like, Hey, look, you can be afraid, but don't, but, but just, you know, keep a straight face, tighten up, like think about it, you know, slow it down. So the army was, I did four years, but before the army, you know, I was a slacker. I was a punk kid with a chip on his shoulder. Still, that, that came back, but <laughs> that part came back. But you know, the army tightened me up, gave me a lot of confidence. And you need confidence in this game. If you're gonna go off and you're gonna buy a house with cash and you're gonna flip it, and then you're not gonna get that money back for six to eight months, or you know, you're gonna buy these big deals. I bought a three million dollar building last year. Like you have to have some composure in the face of these things that are scary. And so the army gives you such good skills. Um, so I don't want to take anything away from the army. I did four years. I, I you know, I had my gripes with with it and 
a lot of it is what unit you get into. You guys know this, right? You get into one unit, you're like, I love this. I'll stay in for 20. You get another unit, you're like, I have to get out of here as soon as possible. And I had a little of that. And after four years, I'm like, do I want to gamble with another four years? So I was just like, nah, I'm going to go figure out my own path in life. Now, that's all. The Army did very good for me. Nothing bad about it. Yeah, that's all. It's to each their own. I mean, the, the military, for some, is the worst time in the world. For others, you know, it's the best time in the world. But I'm always curious to see what people kind of take with it. And I actually never heard it stated that way. Uh, learn how to essentially face fear and understand that although there is risk, it's controlled risk. And I, I think that's fucking ingenious, right? <laughs> if we could all take that concept with us throughout life and understand that risk mitigations, when done properly, can control that explosion. And we won't necessarily, we, all, we might get hurt, right? But we may not, you know, lose our life for that. So that's good stuff, man. Yeah, I, um, it turns out I went later, I, I spent the next 10 years in risk management, risk analysis for lending. And so, you know, I have a saying, risk is never, always to be managed, but never feared, right? And it's that same principle where you're like, there's, there is risk and you're going to take some risk, but you have to, it's, but you, you have to take it like, yeah, with a straight face. You have to think about it. You have to, you have to understand what you're doing. Uh, jump into the airplanes. You know, I hated it. Oh, I, I hated every, it, every bro. Yeah. <laughs> you what? I hated every single jump yeah. I've done. I've done over 50 every time. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh. I, I think I only did 16 jumps, but I was like, at 16 times, I was praying that the wind would be too bad and they and yeah. cancel, cancel my stick. And uh, so, but it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'm terrified of heights. And that's why I signed up. And then I hated it. And that's why I kept doing it. And that's like just such a lesson that people don't get out of the military where you're like, you know, I don't like loud noises. It's like, well, then, you're not going to go to the firing range, but if you don't like loud noises and then you join the army, it's like, you're about to get used to this. Right. So it kind of gets you that um, exposure to things that are fearful. And then when you're, when you, when you go in the army and you see, you know, you jump out airplanes and you're shooting guns and you're blowing stuff up and you're going to, you know, countries where there's violence and you do all these things. Then you come home and you're like, you know, buying a house is scary. I'm like, no, it, buying a house is not scary. You know, it's got some risk to it, but this is a different type of fear. So now it kind of makes you fearless towards things. It's like, as long as there's no bullets flying, I have no worries. And I think that's uh, super important. Uh, just being able to deliberately face your fears. Right. And then, and then move that to something else, you know, that translates over to everything in life. Right. Uh, I think that's important. I also think it's important. Uh, you mentioned, you kind of glazed over a little bit. You're like, Hey, you know, I kind of messed around for like five years trying to figure out what I do, man. I think that is extremely important that time right there. Cause you, you, you get to dip and dive into different things. I dropped out of school for two years and like basically kind of did the same thing, try to find myself and figure out what I want to do too. My question to you is, did that period really help you identify what you wanted to do and kind of put you on the trajectory you're on right now? Or was it more like you, you just kind of fell into the finance from there? Was there like a defining moment within that five-year period that, that really helped, helped move you? You know what? Actually, I'm going to say no. What I'm going to say is I really, I, there are some moments where um, I, there's lessons I've learned because I think if you're not going through life and like, if you're going through periods of your life where you're like, I didn't learn anything, that's a hard that's a hard time. You should take something, right? So I learned a lot about what I not, what I don't want to do, at least not permanently. Those, those dabbling five years, they taught me how to sell. And uh, everybody should be in sales for a couple of years because um, it's an incredibly valuable skill. So they taught me how to sell. I got into uh, business and that's when I learned, um, I like analytics, you know, I like doing um, finance analytics. So those, there are moments in there that I took away. Um, I learned a lot more about what I don't want to do, which I think is, um, at least as valuable to knowing like what you, 
what you think you want to do is good. But once you start doing a lot in the world, you dabble, like you said, and then you find out, okay, I don't want to do those things. That's equally as helpful. So I, um, there's a lot of people who um, have wasted a lot less time than me. And that's just the nature of how the, you know, the world shakes, but I, that, it's just, it is what it is. You know, you go through those years and you're like, okay, I, I did learn some stuff and I took the most I could out of that. But I think overall, yeah, I wish I didn't wait. I wish I'd probably taken that five years. And if that had been one year, I'd be in a lot better shape, but you know, that's, that's the way the world is. You can do, you can change the future. You can't change the past. You're talking about I'd be in a lot better shape and stuff. You're like, hey, I just bought a $3 million building. Da, 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 da. Come on now. <laughs> that, that, but that's, that's awesome. It, it just, it, I guess it kind of speaks to, uh, I guess your, I don't want to say determination, but like your, um, your thoughts about where you should be at or your, your drive. I guess that's, that's really the, the, uh, the thing there, like kind of speaks to your drive. Like, man, I wish I was a little further ahead or like there's something that's driving you to push a little bit harder uh, to reach a specific goal, right? Yeah, well, time is the most valuable asset an investor has. Like Warren Buffett makes 22% per year. And if he had been investing from the time he was 30 to the time he was 60, it's something like he'd be worth a million bucks. But he's been investing since he was 15 and now he's 90. So now he's worth 86 billion. And the difference is not the return. The difference is the amount of years and compounding. And so five years wasted or five years not investing, that's in the end after at the end of my life, that's going to be millions. Yeah. So- yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I just mean like, you know, I think about those things. Like I'm not beating myself up about it, but I also, I 100% hold myself accountable for that. That way I make sure I don't do that again. Um, I think that's extremely important for everybody to kind of rewind that and just listen to it again. It's the time that's the most valuable. It's the compounding of it. It's the starting early and finishing late in the game, but also understanding, because uh, we had a conversation about this last night, that um, success, if you will, is relative right? Growth is relative. So although, uh, you know, as Dan mentioned, you just bought a $3 million uh, apartment complex. To a lot of people, that is something that they, you know, uh, can't even fathom accomplishing in their lifetime. And to you, that's just one more step. That's just one more step in that journey. So uh, the, the message is everybody needs to understand how to be comfortable, you know, how to be comfortable within their realm, understand what it is that they really want, and then understand that, yo, if you're ready for it, start now because those five years are very, very, very valuable. All right, let's take a quick break. I hope you're enjoying this awesome episode. If this episode has got you pumped up and you're looking for more ways to learn, network, and take action, make sure you go over to www.militarycashflow.com where we're doing our absolute best to provide our military community with tons of value. Here's just a few things you'll find when you go to militarycashflow.com. You'll find our books. You'll find the Military Cashflow Facebook group where we have thousands of new and experienced military investors networking and asking and answering questions. You'll find our Military Cashflow real estate investing course that teaches you everything you need to know to buy a cash flowing producing asset. We teach you how to find the deal, how to analyze, how to renovate, how to build your team and maintain that property. You'll find our one-on-one coaching programs. And when you're ready to start taking action and invest, or you're looking just to PCS, we'll even vet and find an investor and military-friendly realtor in your area at zero cost to you. So make sure you head over to www.militarycashflow.com to get access to all these great tools. And lastly, and I would almost say most importantly, make sure you share this information with another military member that might find it valuable. 
And with that said, let's get back into this episode. Yeah, time. Time is really, I, you don't have to be that good at business. You really don't, right? Stick to if it. You, if you can do it for 150 years, you're going you're gonna to do very well. Another good example of that is the military. Think about this, guys. How do we get promoted in the military? It's typically time in grade and time in service. And we'll see people in positions that they should not be in. But you know what? (laughs) (laughs) They stuck out for those extra five years, guys. So if that helps you fucking connect the dots, it's the same thing. (laughs) Oh, man. That's that's the truth. That was actually... (laughs) I like that one. I like that one a lot. Yeah, man. So... um, so, all right, so you, you mess around for a little bit, five years, you figured out what you did not want to do. And then you got on a path to kind of, of finance and kind of figured out what you did want to do, right? Um, you figured out you want to do analytics. Where did real estate uh, come come into play there? Was it, I mean, did you pick up the purple and gold book like uh, like most other people or did, how'd you get introduced to that? I know you mentioned before, like, hey, I did some work with my uncles, learning how to build houses and stuff, but where did that all come full circle? And how'd you, you know, how'd you start on that path? Yeah, so um, let's let's go to 2010. I came back from Arizona. I was making a little bit of money. And man, I just had this weird moment in my life where I, I made a big mistake, lost my job. Um, I looked at my life. I was like, dude, I have, this is where it really changed. Because I, I had been, you know, I had been like the average person in America who's living paycheck to paycheck. And I've been doing that. And it's like, you know, I'm 28 now, right? It's getting a little old. It's getting, it, but it seems like that, there's a lot of people doing that. So if you're in that life and everybody else is living week to week, it just seems normal. And this is why that's a testament to why it's so important to have social circles that, that drive you. Um, but I'm broke. I have no skills. And so I'm like, I got to fix this money problem. The first thing I have none. So the first thing I, I thought of is I was like, if I want to make money, I need to understand money. I don't know anything about it. All I know, all I think I know is what my parents told me, which is save money, uh, go to school, get a good job, save some money, buy a house. Right. That's the advice that they gave me. I'm here to tell you that that's bad advice. That's really bad advice. It was good for them. It's not good for this generation and at all whatsoever. So I'm now I'm like, I don't have backup rules for success. I don't know what else. I don't have any other advice in terms of money, like how to, how to fix this problem. So I was like, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go to school. I'm gonna go back to school and I'm gonna get a finance degree and I'm gonna learn money. And then I'm, I was like, maybe I'll go work at a bank because they have all the money. They know how the money really works. That in retrospect was not, as smart as I thought, there's, you'd be surprised the people that work at banks that have no idea how this, how money works. They're all broke. Um, but at the time, I, the time was like, look, if I learn about this, then I'll understand it. If I understand it, then I can manipulate it. And that actually in the long run, that worked out like going to school and learning finance. I was like, okay, now I kind of know how I can read a financial statement. I understand how the time value of money works. How I understand how these things are going to happen. And around somewhere on there, I started putting some money together finally in my life. And I think I probably think I had like 10 grand or 15 grand to my name. And then I'm like, okay, what am I going to do with this? Because I want to invest this, but I don't want to invest in the stock market because um, I want to quit my job. I got to, I need cash flow. I don't need equities where it's just a gain in value. And then I have to sell it. I need, I need money coming in so I can tell this boss to go pound sand. And so I started looking at the internet and it's basically like, how can I get cash flow every month? easy and i don't want to start a business because uh to me it was like i had read rich dad poor dad like five years prior so it it like it was a seed it wasn't like some people read it and they have an epiphany i had like a little seed i'm like i know passive income is the way right so i was like okay i need something that's passive i don't want to go to work every day and start a business i didn't have a service to sell i didn't have a product to sell 
I didn't want employees, but I need cash flow. Also, I don't have that much money. And I want something reliable. What I don't want to do is do like a like a trend where it's like, oh yeah, start a, you know, do a website or you know, do a, a, a something that a click funnel where it's like next thing you know, in five years, this is obsolete. Bitcoin right now, I don't know what Bitcoin's gonna be. Maybe it'll be around, maybe it won't. So I'm like, I don't want to trend. So what's what what's uh cash flow? What lets you use um no employees, no sales, no brick and mortar store, tried and true real estate. I Google real estate. It's like 2014. It's like, oh, by the way, there's a foreclosure boom going on right now. There's a million underpriced houses. You can buy one. You can put debt on it. You can get a couple hundred dollars a month cash flow. And if you do it right, Burr method, which I figured out, you can do it without actually spending any of your own money. You can get all your money back. And so I was like, okay, is this real? Is this really, can this really happen? Bought a house for 55, $54,500. We moved in right away. I put about three or four grand of like, I put floors in myself, did a little sweat equity because I had some of that knowledge. 18 months later, I go and refinance it. Um, they tell me it's worth 115. And again, from a guy, you just heard my story, right? I've been broke this whole time. And next thing you know, it's like, I put 10 grand together and in a year I make 80 with it. And I was like, real estate is easy. I'm going to become rich. This is amazing. And so I just started trying to scoop up as many properties as I could. Now, look, I was a very risk averse investor. So it was actually another two years before I'd buy another one because I needed to make sure I had all the cash to buy it. And then I ended up buying two or three a year for a couple of years. I, I went pretty slow uh, compared to some people that buy freaking 10 their first year nowadays. Um, but uh, that's, that's how it started. I just, I needed some cash flow and real estate was, was a booming. Yeah. I loved how you broke down just like a, uh just the i guess concept or, or or the the pieces of real estate is like uh, i don't really need that much money uh, let's be honest i mean i, I don't i'm not going to have to worry about any employees you know it's tried and true you know i don't really have to have a crazy amount of subject matter expert like knowledge in real estate right it's kind of one of those things i mean it's a way a, a the average person can easily build wealth i mean bottom line that's what it is dude um, and I love it. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I, I love that example because very, very, it's very, very similar to mine, uh, trying to figure out, all right, what am I going to do here, man? I need, I need some kind of cash flow to be coming in to supplement, you know, supplement my other income and figure out this thing for, for when I want to retire early. Right. And I, and, and it seems like you're on the kind of pretty much the same path. Um, so that dude, that's just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And you, sorry, Mike. No, no, no. I was going to say it's a, it's a nice progression um, that I, it's important that we always highlight this because again, to Dan's point, so many and to yours, people go in and they say, man, I got to, I got to buy 10 in one year. I have to buy 17 in the next two years. And you just gave a perfect example where you had your first one, you cut your, you know, cut your teeth on that. Then slowly two years later, you acquired another, and then it was two or three a year. Now it's time for apartments, right? It's a progression that people, people have to respect the time and effort that people are putting into this at their own pace to learn the systems, to feel comfortable and then scale. Yeah. I, um, I think I look at my story and I'm like, I went slow and I'm okay with it. And, and for me, it lets me sleep at night. I don't have, you know, my, all my properties are pretty low LTV compared to some other people, especially now with the market going up, you know, all the houses in Fable, like all the houses that I own for 60 grand are now worth 150. Um, and at the time they were good deals, but it's, it's interesting. Like, 
um, you know, go slow and steady. I'm not the guy who's going to tell you to go out there and hustle. I'm like, just go get, just go worry about the next deal. Don't worry about what doing a million. I mean, that's just my advice. You know, don't worry. You don't have to worry about doing a million properties. Um, at least not out of the gate. It's like, just go get one. See if you like it. You know, you might hate it. You might, you might be like, oh, that's easier than I thought. I can do more. And that's how it was for me. So don't, you know, people get hung up on like, um, you know, they put the, they put the deals on the pedestal. They do, they get a, they start looking for unicorns and they get uh, analysis paralysis. And then they make this big deal about it. I'm like, just go get one, just go get one and worry about one and then find out how you can do the next one better. And it's, it'll be fine. Just go, just go slow and steady. It'll be fine. I love it. With the, with the apartment buildings now, people are like, how many are you trying to get to a thousand units this year? And I'm like, no, I'm trying to buy one property a year. Yeah. I think that's and, important that it took you that, that, that journey to actually understand. Now, now let me ask you this. In the beginning, you said that you felt like you were moving slow relative to others. Now you feel very confident just getting the next one. Has your mindset changed from then to where you are now about how you view real estate and the value in it? Yeah. Um, a lot of it's social circle. You know, when you start, you're like, I'm looking for people to do real estate. Now my life is 99% real estate investors. So that changes the way it changes your reality. And, you know, it's a weird thing now. Now I'm actually, I've kind of put myself in an unhealthy spot, dead serious because my social media feeds and my, and my social groups are full of people. I'm the, you know, I have like seven friends that are in GoBundance. Mm. Right. That means they have a minimum net worth of a million dollars. Right. I don't have a net worth of a million dollars yet. So I'm like, dude, all my friends, I'm the least successful one. And this is useful. It's very useful. But it's also um, it goes from like, hey, I need to get out of this social group and go find people who are ambitious to now it's like, hey, Alex, you are the dragging anchor in your social group. You need to tighten up. So that changes the way you you look at opportunity because because people who are not grabbing opportunity, they don't see it. They're not looking for it. So then when you're hanging out with them, you guys don't talk about it. You don't think about it. You don't see it. When you're hanging out with people that really grasp and, and take opportunity, then you see it everywhere. And you're like, how come I'm just missing stuff left and right? So I hope that answers the question when you're like, do I look at real estate differently now? And I'm like, yeah, I used to look at it as this big, scary thing. Now I look at, you know, that $3 million building and I'm like, yeah, it's okay. I, I, we got to get a bigger one. The problems of real estate weren't like, Hey, can I do it now? It's like, well, I know I can do it. The thing is, can I find a really good deal that fits for me and my investors? You know, what's it going to look like in five years? How does it pay out? How does it's just the questions go from like, can I to like, how can I make sure I do a really, really good job of it? I know I can do it. It's how do I, you know, I have different responsibilities rather than just, you know, can I? Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I was talking about this with someone uh, the other, the other day about just, you know, getting in certain social circles, right? Building your network, right? And and how that can elevate your game so much, right? Clearly, you are a co-host on the military cash flow, or um, the co-host on the um, you uh, wish military to millionaire. You have me, Mike. You wish military to millionaire with uh, Dave Perret. You're a co-host there, and we love Dave, man. He's been on the show before, uh, a couple times, actually. Um, and you're talking about who who you're who else you're associating with. Clearly, you got the five pillars logo back there, so I know you got a bomb circle just just with that network as well. So, how are let's let's talk about um, the, just looking big picture, right? You got out of the army in E4. I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of people would would think that man, it's going to be hard for you to make a living or hard for you to for to do something else with when you get out with um, with 
at that rank, essentially, right? Get out of E4, you're doing cars, you're, you're trying to trying to mess around and figure out what you want to do. But then, but then slowly over time, you start to build and you start to insert yourself or, or make friends with a certain social circle. How, how are you doing that? Like, I guess, what are, what are the steps that you would give to someone else that is getting out or that's, that's trying to, that's kind of doing the same thing. That's trying to do the same thing. Um, as far as getting in the right social circle, I hope that made sense. It was kind of a long drawn out question, but how to network. Yeah. How to network with intentionality. Actually, this is kind of my superpower networking. Um, uh, I, I've actually made a lot of content about networking. I think if you're an introvert, it's, it, there's, it would be different than if you're an extrovert. Let's start, let's start with that. Um, the internet is a great equalizer for networking because everybody that you want or need to know is on the internet, right? You can tweet to Elon Musk if you want to network with him. Like everybody's available. So the question now becomes like, not how do you get access? It's how do you get their attention, right? Meaning, you know, like me and Josh Dorkin are buddies now. We, we, we chat on, on Facebook and it's one of those things where it's, it was just, I have access to the guy so I can text him and ask him some stuff. So what I would say is, if you're looking to network, you the, the, the way I would advise it is go find the people whose social circle you want to be in and then make a deliberate effort to incorporate them into your, like incorporate them into your social group and then make sure that when you're communicating with them, you add value to them first, serve first, always serve first. And so I guess, again, to summarize, like if you, if you want to go buy single family homes in your area, Google, find on the internet people who are single family investors in your area, and then either go to where they're going to be in, in um, you know, in physical locations, meetups, or you can, or these are people you can just email. And a lot of them have ways you can do Calendly apps and Zoom chat with them, or they'll give you time. Um, people are available. So the, the problem, the, the, the strategy really is, is how do you just go access them, which has never, it really has never been easier. So I think, you know, creating your social circles is, is just something that takes a little bit of deliberation. People think like, you know, I got to get these good social circles. Like, how do I do it? And I'm like, who do you, it's, it's, it's a good question, but it's way easier than it seems. Cause it's like, if I want to be friends with Mike Glassby, I just have to email him. This is what I would do. I would email him every day until first he'd be like, go away. And then he'd be like, oh, he's not going away. I might as well be friends with him. That's my strategy. <laughs> now that doesn't work. That doesn't work for everybody, but that's my strategy. But um, the the point is similar, right? If you want to be friends with somebody, um, find a way to add value to their life every week, and eventually they're gonna be like, "Just I want to have this guy in my life. I want to have this this person in my life." And once you're friends with somebody, that's the real. That's how networking really works. It's not about having somebody's number that you can call and ask a question with every once in a while. That's not really where you get the value. The value of you know being buddies with Mike Glassby is I can text them anytime. And be like, hey, this casual thing. Hey, can you help me with this? Hey, what about this? And then you end up bouncing ideas off of each other. And then you grow together. And that's when you're like, oh, now we, you know, went to Mexico together. Now we do these podcasts together. And, uh, I'm, you know, I wanted to become friends with Matt Faircloth. Matt Faircloth is a, a pretty big now real estate uh, multifamily buyer. He bought a 200 unit here in Fayetteville. I call him. I know, have no idea who this guy is. I text him or I, I get on the internet or something. I was like, hey, dude, I sent a message on bigger pockets because again, we have access. And I was like, you bought a town, you bought a house in my town and you didn't tell me this is not cool, right? You got to answer for this. And I was just joking, but now like you start open that thing of communication and then you see him at BPCon and then I, he's doing another deal up the street. And I was like, hey, can I come there? And 
I have a camera. I'm a camera guy. So can I add some value to you? I'll take some pictures of your property. Let me add some value to you. And then next thing you know, it's like, dude, I hang out with that guy every three, four weeks now. Now we're real actual friends. So social circles are very easy to curate these days. I know I'm rambling. Social circles are very easy to curate these days. It's just a matter of like finding out the, who you need to be friends with and then making a deliberate effort to, to bring them in. You have access to everybody. Now that was you a, know, that was a, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Mike. The, the, all I was gonna say is, I mean, that conversation right there was great, but I don't think it does the justice to, to Alex's ability to network. Guys, he is actually phenomenal. To rewind the, the track a little bit, when Alex was a uh, guest on um, Bigger Pockets, he had mentioned doing the Burr strategy in Fayetteville. And to be quite honest, what year was that, Alex? Do you remember? 18, was that 2018? See, it was 2018. And when that, when that happened, Fayetteville blew up, right? Now, it's not so much, it's because one, Bigger Pockets is a huge platform. Yes, they heard it. They're like, oh, let's find out. But now, listen, guys, he was the guy, don't worry about it, my camera's still here. He was the guy that uh, mentioned it. And so now, all of a sudden, You've got Shelby in, in uh, Fayetteville and everything else. Oh, boom. Hey, I just heard Alex. Great. Now that's that network. Then they can connect this way. Then Alex introduces a guy. We got to get on this uh, podcast. His name is Joe Prilliman, right? He's out there introducing to Shelby. That was Shelby's first Burr client. Boom. That rolled over to uh, now Alex is doing videos for Bigger Pockets to add value to Bigger Pockets. You see what I'm saying, guys? And so there was so much value jam-packed in that 30 seconds or whatever it was that he was talking but. I, I encourage all of you guys to rewind it and really listen to that. You cannot network without adding value. People don't give a shit about what you do unless they can see the value in it for them. It's, I mean, it's, it sounds messed up, but it's true. And then once you kind of break that barrier, you got to be friends. Because as, as you get older, your friend circle gets smaller. You just don't have the time, the energy to really entertain everybody, regardless how nice they are. So you got to be their friends if you want to be in those circles. So I just... I think there's a lot of value. We really wanted to unpack that a little bit deeper. That's the one I wanted to touch on specifically. Uh, I, I noticed, that, like, I've noticed some of the things that, that you've done. Again, we, we've never really, like, actually no crap talked before, but I've noticed some of the things, like, especially being the, uh, doing the the Fayetteville, it seemed like Fayetteville uh, Bigger Pockets um, video shoots for a few few Fayetteville investors. And it seems like that kind of helped establish you as a player in the market, just like Mike said. And, and that's easy value that you created. I mean, for you, for those of you who don't know, uh, like right before, before we were recording, he was like giving us crap about our backgrounds and the video <laughs> stuff, like, and, and, and how, <laughs> how we can be better with our backgrounds. Right. Um, and, and that's just, it seems like, you know, that, that is something that you enjoy, right? So you're taking that and then you're, you're helping spread that information out and adding value to others, right? Um, I, I think that's super, super, super important. Yeah, I think what, um, I think I, I lucked into this, but what I realized along the way is, you know, I have two hobbies. I have real estate hobby and I have my camera hobby and I use them to fuel each other. And so I think, you know, everybody has more than one interest, right? Not everybody's, I, I mean, I'm sure there's some people that live and breathe real estate and have nothing else, but if you have something else that you're good at in life, like Mike golfs now, right? And so what does he do? He goes and gets his real estate buddies and he golfs with them. And that's what that is, is it's overlapping of strengths. And so I take my camera and, you know, I go to conferences. I go to, um, I, uh, I put people on YouTube. I, you know, just, well, my narcissist friend, Shelby, I just, you know, her Instagram feed is basically just my camera. Um, but this adds value to her. And then, and then it comes back to me. And so networking is like, again, for me, I say it's a serve first mentality. 
I kind of disagree with what Mike said about like, people don't care until they know what's in it for them. I get that because what happens is when you get big, like there's probably the people that reach out to you guys every day and like, can you mention me? Can you mention me? Can you mention me? And when you get in a position, like for them, you're just, that's just the first time they ask. But for you, you're like, I get it five times a day where somebody asks what they can get out of me. And so if you can, if, if somebody's new and they're looking for a mentor or something, you can realize that, that, that the person you want to mentor you gets asked for somebody to, for them to give something away every day. And you can just come to them and say, what can I give you selflessly, really, truly selflessly? Not like, hey, I'll give you. But if you can give something up selflessly and you can serve first, it, it just makes it makes your, your networking a lot easier because um, uh, I don't know, just it, it, it puts the dynamic on like, hey, look, I'm going to add value to you whether you like it or not. And then, yeah. yeah. Dude, you're hundred percent right, man. And we, we've mentioned, we've echoed that several times on different, on different episodes, the same way. How can you add value to someone else? And, and like, when you're trying to meet up with someone, the way to, to not go, just like you said, man, um, I mean, there's a couple ways to go about it, but probably the best, the best way to not do it is uh, just to, to text you and Hey, how can you help me? I'm looking for this. I'm looking for that. I'm trying to do this. How can you help me? You do this for me. You do this for me. You do this for me. And it becomes a broken record to the person on the other end. And obviously, and, and also outside of just the numerous people asking for help, we don't have the time. You said it yourself, man. Like, and, and everyone knows that time is our most valuable asset. So, it, you know, if, if you want me to dedicate an hour of my life to you, it, it just, it's just not really feasible. If I, if I have so many other things going on, right. And it's not to be a, a, you know, an a-hole or nothing like that. It's just, that's, that's just what it is. Right. So how can you um, take some of the skill sets that you have? And it doesn't even have to necessarily be a skill set. Um, it could be just something taking off of my plate to help make my, my, my life a little bit easier. And at the same time, that way we can basically have a mutual, a mutual working or a mutual friend, mutual friendship, right. Where it's not a give and take or, it is a give and take versus a give, give, give. Yeah. And people think that they don't have value to give. They're like, well, what, what can I possibly do for Dan? And I'm like, you know, the way you can frame the question is maybe like, Hey Dan, what, what do you, what's, what's getting in your way these days? Do you have any, do you have any annoying tasks that you want to give up? Can I come, can I, you, you want to help producing the podcast? You want to help marketing the podcast? You know, can I help you find guests? Can I help you go find deals? Can I help you raise money? Can I, these are all things that, my guess is, I don't know you, but my guess is these are all things you're like in your head. You're like, oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I would like to help yeah. on that. So, <laughs> right. I mean, podcast production is an immense amount of work. <clears throat> finding deals, finding, um, raising money, you know, I, all sorts of things. So people go, I don't have any value to give. It's like, you don't know what value they need. So the correct mm -hmm. question is like, what do you need? What's pissing you off right now? And so, and you got, and this actually is a good filter because people come to me all the time. Like, what do you need help with? And I'm like, you know, what I really need is I need, uh, you know, I want to do podcast production, but I, I can't afford to outsource the production. Do you want to, can you do that? And they're like, yeah. And then I'll send them some stuff and then they won't do the work. And I'm like, see, th this is a good filter. Cause now you're not going to, now you go, you went away. You're not going to ask me for any more. Right. So, um, uh, going to people, if you really want somebody's help, it's like, I know you want somebody's help, but are you willing to help them first? So then go to Dan and say, Mike, hey, what can I, what can, what value, what's pissing you off? What's getting in your way? Do you have any annoying tasks that you're doing that I can just show you that I'm the real deal, show you that I'm valuable? Let me do, let me take it off your plate. And that way, even if you don't have a skill set like a camera or something else, they still have stuff you can do. And if, uh, and if you've proved to them, like, hey, look, that guy took that little problem of mine and he fixed it and he ran with it and it made my life easier, maybe he can do something else um, for me. And then you establish yourself as invaluable. 
right? Shelby can't go get another photographer now, right? She's screwed. She's, she's stuck with me now, right? And that's because I've done it so much, right? I've done it so much. And it's like, um, and, and, and many others, right? I'm going to start doing, um, you know, the event photography at BP. Like I went there with my camera and I took pictures, just did my thing. I wasn't, they hired a photographer and I went there with my camera anyways. And I just did a couple, you know, I just did my thing. And at the end of the day, they're like, okay, we paid her a couple of thousand dollars and her pictures were terrible. We paid you nothing. And your pictures were amazing. You're hired forever. <laughs> and that's because I added value first. That's it. Hey, man. That's a, that is a gold. Everything we just talked about the last like 10 minutes, man, that, that's excellent, excellent gold. You want to try to get in the right circles. I mean, that's the way to go about it, dude. Alex just laid out the blueprint, dude. That's, that's what it is, man. That's exactly what, exactly what, what we're, what we're needing to do. Um, those are, I think those are, I think that is also included in one of those soft skills that uh, we kind of um, need to do better with in the military as well. Cause the same thing, I mean, building your network doesn't just mean buying real estate, building, you can build a network within the military as well, possibly getting where you want to getting stationed where you want to, or, or, uh, whatever specific job title you want to do, or whatever the case of school or something like that. I mean, those networks come in handy. Um, that goes, that goes in any aspect of life. I think networking and sales go hand in hand for me. That's where I learned how to network is from sales. Because what I learned was I can go up to a stranger and I can build rapid rapport. And that's really the that's networking and that's, and that's sales where it's, I can go to a person and, you know, that I've never met and say, Hey, I'm Alex. You know, I know you don't want to buy a car from me because you hate, you're just looking. I know you're here just looking, but also um, let me show you this one, you know, and you kind of it learn, teach you how to overcome objectives, uh, object, objections. And it teaches you how to like, you know, get that comfort with somebody right away. And it teaches you how to like, you know, put some charm on them. And, and then also like sales, isn't just shoving something down somebody's throat, right? Sales is problem solving. That's what it is, right? You have a problem. I have a solution. I'm going to show you why my solution is the right fix for your problem. And so that's networking too. This is what we just talked about. It's like, Dan, you got some problems in your business. I'm going to here. I'm here to solve them. That's, that's, what, exactly that's how right. this yeah. I, I immediately trust you because of the hair, it. man. I immediately yeah. trust you. <laughs> hair, dude. Like, Look, I, I, <laughs> we're going to grow yours out. Get a blow dryer. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, get like an S curl or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's exactly right. You hit the nail on the head. Sales and networking is one. It's a hand in hand uh, because it's just the exchange of value. That's what it is. It's what value do I have to give you for the value that I want to return? And uh, it, it, people try to complicate it with now with everything, there's always skills, sub skills, other skills that develop those skills. And yes, you can spend a lot of money and spend a lot of time trying to perfect them all, but just literally rewind this and listen to what Alex said and then go out there and do it. You're 10 times better off than you were, you know, this morning when you woke up before you listened to this podcast. I love it. All right. So, yeah. And, so, yeah, go for it. Uh, what I, in the past, I would have said extroverts have a, have an immense benefit in terms of networking because they're just, you know, I'm energized by people. I'm a hyper extrovert. So for me, I can go to a conference for four days and talk to people from 8 a.m. to freaking 11 p.m. and I'm fine, right? Not everybody can do that. And so I used to say introverts are at a, a little bit of a disadvantage when it comes to networking, but the internet changed that because the internet, you can get, basically you can get one-on-one -on -one time with anybody and you can do it from the comfort of your home, own home with thanks to Zoom. And so many people you know have Calendly links on their websites or they'll, they'll give you one that'll be like, hey, look, I'll schedule a 30-minute call with you just to, I'll just give you some of my time. I do it, a lot of other people do it. So you know, even the introverts now, it's like, dude, you're, you're two emails away from talking to somebody that could change your life. You just got to be able to get in front of them. So 
it's just a process now. I love it. And so what's the next step for you along this journey? Now that you've, you've experienced some single families, you experienced some fix and flips, you experienced some syndications, where do you see yourself going next in the realm of real estate? Um, I've been flipping houses as a kind of a day job just to, I just didn't want to work for anybody else anymore. So I was like, I'll flip a couple of houses and, 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 you know, I'm not making a big business out of it, but it's keeping me alive. And that's, that's been going, and I'm learning, I'm getting better. That's going well. Uh, I'm converting all my single family homes to Airbnb. Um, that's, uh, I just did my first one and oh my God, that's lucrative. Like I can't, I miss, tell, I've us, been, tell us some of the numbers while we got it. Tell us some of the numbers. I had a property that, um, that first property I told you about, I finally, I converted that one to Airbnb. So I, I think my mortgage on it is like, it's under 50 grand. Um, it was making a thousand dollars a month gross, which means, you know, I know people like to say, you know, rent minus mortgage, but if you take rent minus mortgage, minus property management, minus maintenance, right. It's like 200 bucks a month right? That's what it really is. I mean, maybe on a good year, it's a little more than that. And a bad year, it'll be a little less than that. And so it's average is 200 bucks a month. Well, I took that property and I converted it to Airbnb. My first month, I went from a thousand dollar month gross rents to 3,300. And after their fees, which are astronomical, I think they're, I think they ripped me off. Um, I'm still going to bring home a little over two grand, which means I made a 10 X return on net for investing I invested about another 20,000 because I had to repaint it and, fur and, and furnish it. So I probably invested 20,000, maybe a little, maybe 18, a little under that, right? So for $18,000, now I make 10X net, bro. I'm, I'm converting all of them. Yeah. That's one of the things that, uh, you know, we, that's like where you mentioned earlier, that's kind of like luck and timing. All of us got into the journey eh, roughly about the same time where we thought long-term rental, long-term rental, that was the only play. And then all of a sudden Airbnb really starts to blow up. The timing hits where now it's extremely popular. We experiment with it because we already own the property. Boom. 10 X return. Right. So I just think that's a, it's a great thing. I love my Airbnbs as well, but just understand like, I mean, you weren't thinking about Airbnbs back in 2014. That wasn't in, that wasn't in your, in your it wasn't a thing you know, yet. pipeline. Yeah. So it just happens. But uh, this is such a good beautiful. point about like, mar like the market, the market changes. And this is actually a frustrating point for me because I, I kind of want to like, I want to get my real estate thing set. And then I want to go, you know, do camera stuff. I want to go to something else, but I'm not, the thing is I'm not big enough where I can just set it and forget it. I still have to grow some more. So if you're going to continue to grow, you have to understand that you're growing in an environment that changes, right? There's not, when I first started, right, there's probably 15 foreclosures on the market at any given time that you could pay, pay 30 grand for. If I had that now with the resource I have now, I'm like, I buy them all. Mm -hmm. I buy every single one of them. But back then people weren't as confident and they didn't have the, um, the capital liquidity wasn't available, right? Now people have capital, they have liquidity, but the deals aren't there. So the market changes. Multifamily, I really want to buy more multifamily, but like, you know, a, a C-class property is selling for a six cap or less. Mm -hmm. And it's like, do you really want to buy in this environment? Especially when, when I know rates are going to start coming up. When you go to reach, you know, commercial properties, as you know, are going to, you're going to re refinance in five years. You're going to refinance in five years and the rates are going to be higher. That means you're going to make less. It's going to be, a, that's going to be a tough shake. So you're, you're investing in a, in a changing market. And so um, I really wanted to buy more multifamily and I still do, but that's become, it's harder now. It's very, it's harder now. So that's why I was like, yo, Airbnb is, 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 is a good, it's kind of like I'm, I'm half stalling. I'm like, you know, let me wait till next year and these rates change and I see what the layout's going to look like. But also I want to, I don't want to wait a year. So I have to, um, 
this is a business of adaptation. You really have to be able to adapt and see opportunities and move on them. And then, and then you have to be able to say, I'm going to bail when it's not working as well anymore, which is the hardest part, actually. I mean, you bring up an, an excellent point, right? It's, a, it's an ever changing environment, right? But that's where we do our due diligence on the front end, right? To analyze how many different strategies that we can use with any property, right? And it seems like, I mean, you, you said, let's take your first deal, for example, you've already ran it as a, just a traditional buy and hold, like a long-term hold, right? Long-term rental, you know, it's going to cash flow at least $200 rents are raising. So over the next couple of years, you know, it, it'll likely increase more than that. But right now uh, the uh, Airbnb short-term rentals is a hotness and you already mentioned it, you know, there's a bunch of fees and things like that. One day there, there could be a, a county ordinance or, or a city ordinance that either changes it, cuts it out, right? Or, you know, Airbnb might just make it yeah, change a rule. And for some reason, you basically are not making that much money uh, at all on it. You always, because you've analyzed the deal and you've done your due diligence, you can always convert it back to a, a regular rental and you're still making your money on it. You've still, I mean, the worst case scenario for you, right, is that you have a long, long-term hold and you're making a couple hundred dollars, two, three, four hundred dollars a month on it versus, you know, 2000, but it still works, right? So I think that's the importance of really, really doing the due diligence on the front end, even in, especially in today's market. I mean, you're talking about six caps on C class properties. I mean, that, that's usually see six caps on like B plus A, A properties, right? Um, you see property, you're thinking like 10 plus, right? But if you can do your due diligence on the front end and make sure that it cash flows, even in, you know, the, the, uh, what we expect to happen is a market correction, right? If it can still cash flow in a market correction, you run your numbers that way, uh, then then you pretty much found yourself a good deal. And there's really not too many ways or you mitigated your failure rate, if that makes sense. So I think that's a great point. You mitigate that risk. You, you control that fear like you were talking about earlier. I love it, man. Yep. Buy good deal. You make money when you buy, you know, buy a discounted property. You know, people, I, I, people are buying price full priced homes, retail priced homes, and they put them on Airbnb and they're making a little bit of money. And I'm like, like you said, Dan, it's like, you know what? I think Airbnb personally, I mean, it, it's too lucrative. People are going to run to it in droves. The market's going to become saturated and then people are going to start competing on price and the margins are going to come down. That's what I expect to happen. That's what I expect to happen. So yeah, I don't know how long this runs runs going to go. Um, and I worry about the people who paid twice as much as I did, you know, the people that, you know, I own that house for less than 60 grand. Some people own that same house for 120, you know, plus furnishing and they're like, well, I'm making money. And I'm like, but if you have to rent that thing for a thousand dollars a month, you won't make money. So you make money when you buy. The second one is, um, risk mitigation is pro cash, right? Cause you don't have to really um you know become rich from this for it to work you can just break even for 30 years and then the thing gets paid off and then you're now you're definitely making money so if you want that plan like that's the worst case scenario plan because you obviously want to make money along the way but if you want that plan to work you can't if you're breaking even or you know god forbid slightly below or just even just above and something happens you have to have cash reserves you have to have cash you have to have cash sitting around so buy you know you make money when you buy and have a big chunk of cash to, to weather any storms. Other than that, like it's just a set it, you're going to, it's going to make money. I love that. I love the fact that you, you mentioned, you know, you don't even have to make money, sit your ass down for 30 years, 
guaranteed you'll be making money because <laughs> you'll have all that equity and that cash flow. And it is a waiting game. The, the real estate is a game of patience. You do have opportunities like fix and flips and some other things where you can accumulate cash fairly quickly. Uh, but even that is in 24 hours, right? That's that's still a couple of months. months it's, yeah. it's a game of patience. Yeah, yeah. It takes some time because it ain't a couple months now. Nowadays, contractors is annoying. Yeah, anybody who tells you you can put back <laughs> three, in three months these days and I'm like, oh, you haven't done it yet. I got you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. All right. So as we start to wrap up this episode here, a lot of people are coming in and they're hearing a lot of value that you're adding. Now, if you had to give one piece of advice, and we're just going to say to a real estate investor starting their journey, what would that one piece of advice be? Um, for a real estate investor just starting their journey, you uh, your success will be dictated by who you spend time around. Mm. That's it. Mm. I so, love it. Yeah. Um, if you can hang out with people, you know, I have a big ego and it is getting crushed lately because everybody I know is killing it. And I'm having kind of, a, I'm the smallest fish in my pond and that is painful. It is painful, but it is going to work. Feel you, bro. Yeah. yeah. Hey, look, it, is, it is not a fun game. Honestly, it is really not a fun game. Like I'm not having that much fun in life right now. Cause I'm like, everybody I know is like, Oh, just close, you know, freaking I'm looking at Brandon closing 500 units jerk. Right. Or even like, even, you know, my buddy, um, Jeremy, right. He's closing, I don't know, probably five, 600 units this year. Um, it sucks. It's like, I'm watching them go, you know, screen, screen past me, but then every day I call, you know, every couple weeks I call them like, what can I do to help? What can I add value? So it's just, if you hang out with these people, you know, eventually they're going to, they're going to drag you along. That's why I hang out with Mike. I'm just riding coattails, but it works. It works. You know, I come there, I add the value I can. Um, so yeah, who you hang out with will dictate your success. If you hang out with people that you're the best of, it's like, you have nobody to compete. You have nobody to make you feel, you have nobody to hold you accountable. Right. So who you hang out with is, is the number one. If I had to give one piece of advice, that's the one who you hang out with. I love that. Yeah, I love that, dude. I also think that uh, with that, right, um, who you hang out with, I think it makes you comfortable uh, in certain situations like you're talking about. I mean, all, all these people that are doing large number of deals, you kind of you kind of get used to that, right? So you kind of expect that, just like you're, you said it earlier. Yeah, I close on a $3 million, a $3 million deal. That is just a casual, casual conversation to the average person. It's like, what the hell? You know what I mean? What do you mean you close on? You know, I, I, we talk we talk to people that are doing great things pretty much on almost every single podcast. They're doing much, much better than at least me, you know, and then my, I got my business partner over here, you know, Mike is doing hotels and stuff. So it's it's it becomes a custom, even even if you haven't done it and you haven't executed it yet. It becomes so accustomed that when it does happen, it's just it's not that big of a deal, right? And 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 I love um I love how you how you phrase that. I love exactly how you phrase that. Yeah, there's two other examples that work really like um you know drugs. I don't you don't hang out with drug addicts, but if you hang out with drug addicts, guess what? Doing drugs is gonna seem really normal. It's not gonna seem like that big a deal. Mm. And so that's the same exact process. I hung out with all these people, and then that became my normal. And so, you know, if going in the alley and shooting up is your normal and that's who the hang people you hang out with calls that normal, it's going to be hard to get out of that. It's going to be hard to do something abnormal. So if I hang out with, and the gym, uh, so the, the other one is the gym. Like I go to the gym, I do powerlifting. I love it. You, you want to deadlift 500 pounds? Go hang out with people, watch them do it every day. And you're going to be like, oh, it's the regular guys can do this. I just got to, it's just a matter of hanging out with them long enough till I'm that guy and doing a 500 pound deadlift. You want to buy $3 million buildings? It's like, get it, hang out with, like you said, Dan, just hang, hang out with people that where it's normal. 
It doesn't seem scary. It just seems casual conversation. And then it will be casual conversation for you too. And you know, that, that statement where Jim Rohn says, you are the sum of the five people that you most associate with. That's, that's exactly what we're talking about here. But I love how you kind of phrased it because it just allows people to see it from a different perspective or from a different light. If you're shooting up drugs, whatever the case is, and everybody else around you, that's your normal. Therefore, we can all understand, you know, <laughs> how difficult it can be. Oh, shit, if you got COVID, uh, no, no, no. You can understand how difficult it can be for those individuals to feel like they're trapped in that environment and they can't get out because that's now their normal. So now, you know, based on this conversation for everybody listening, make that your environment, right? Make that your normal to be around whoever it is that you desire to be like, right? Go out and find those people. I love that, man. So now you're dropping all these nuggets of wisdom and knowledge bombs, man. And everybody's like, yo, I want to, I want to talk to Alex. I want to network with Alex. So how can they find you, man? Uh, my current focus is YouTube. I'm trying to become a famous YouTube celebrity. I need you to help me with that. Go subscribe to my nice. YouTube channel. It's, uh, it's just my name, Alexander Felice. I talk about uh, all sorts of stuff, real estate. I do, uh, I do some vlogging with other people. Uh, Shelby and Mike were on my last vlog. And then I talk about some, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a lover of obscure history and philosophy. And so I do a little bit of, I tie, I tie that into real estate. So I do a lot of that. And then you can also, if you want to find out my deals and like how I do my deals, I write them all in very specific transparency and authenticity on a website called brokeisachoice.com. And uh, you can find all that stuff. I don't sell any courses or anything. So everything, I, everything I've learned, I put on the internet to help the next person for free. Mm. I love it, man. Broke is a choice and Alexander Felice. Uh, well, youtube.com slash backslash Alexander Felice, right? And he's yeah. got a dope setup, right? So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I taught Mike. Look, Mike's, is, looks, Mike's, Mike's is YouTube is looking good. Yeah, this, is this that, is he did all that for because you? of him. Oh, no, he, man. Well, he basically, me and him talked about it through all the time. And he would give me shit. He'd be like, okay, that's trash. You need to do this. <laughs> and so I would kind of do this, uh, you know, fix it up. But this is thanks to Alex. So, and that's that right, what man. Alex is behind now, that's Shelby. So don't, don't think that's his. Like, like his is much better uh, yeah. than that. <laughs> I'm not Shelby, but we're working on Shelby's. We're getting there. She, um, she's starting to see how important it is. She's like, oh, it's, look, it's my sign. I'm good. I'm like, no, nah, we have to do better. She's like, how come <laughs> good? I'm like, cause he cares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's awesome man um so definitely hey if you're listening to this make sure you look up uh alex Felice. hey i really appreciate you coming on today man um you dropped some just straight bombs dude like if you didn't get something out of this episode then you need to either rewind it again or just give up dude so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know well, look uh, i don't know I'm, to very, tell you. <laughs> I'm very 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 grateful for for you guys having me here and being being uh thankful for the opportunity very great, man, for sure. For sure. Hey, if you're uh, watching this on YouTube, right, and you didn't know, we have a podcast. And if you're listening to this on podcast, if you didn't know, we have a YouTube as well as Alex uh, Felice has a YouTube. So make sure you look us both up, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, leave us a comment below. We'll get, we'll be sure to get back with you. Um, if you're listening to this on podcast, leave us a review. We really appreciate that. Um, other than that, man, um, yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Um, Anything, anything else? You got any uh, last words? Uh, well, I see a BPCon. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't even know when BPCon is. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's oh. kind of tough. I'm the only person that's still active duty. And right now with the whole, you know, you know what's going on right now with the COVID and stuff, trying to restrict travel and all these other crazy things that are happening. So 
uh we'll see i guess that's that's the only thing i could i could say but i'm i say yeah no i'm good i'm 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 grateful to hang out with you guys it was fun uh, i hope i could i hope i could add some value and if i can if i can if i can dan if i can help you get that that setup that backdrop set up <laughs> a little better lights i'll help you let me know yeah definitely this operates as a spare bedroom i don't know if you can see that uh yeah. b- behind us there but that's this is oh, also good. our spare bedroom slash office area but uh if I can add some little depth, maybe I need to get a little shrubbery like uh, like Mike has yeah. back there with, with and put them in different positions so you can't you know <laughs> see with the little blur and the lights. I'm I might ha- I'm gonna work on it, man. You might see a light behind the pillow or something. You can see my little kid's Yoda back, my little kid's Yoda drawing back there. You know what I mean? So <laughs> maybe we'll maybe we'll figure something out, dude, for sure. Yeah, I'll help if I can. Yeah, but um, hey, this is Dan Wynn. and Mike Glassby signing off. <laughs>